Westlop Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. And Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskaspo. Well, shit. <laughs> yep. That sums it up. Yeah. Um, I mean, by now, if you, you're just turning into us. Tuning in, wondering where where the Wisconsin preview is. Yeah, Yeah. well, we got news for you. There is no Wisconsin preview, Um, which is a bummer. I I was really waiting to see what we thought of Minnesota. I was ready to just pile on them. (sighs) But alas. Um, Yeah. I mean, in in shutdown full, like in homage to the shutdown full cast, perhaps we should do something. I don't know that we're funny enough to pull this off, but... uh, to, to finish out our previews for the year, but I mean that would that would also require an emotional tax. I don't know that we're willing to pay yet. Yeah, not yeah. yet, not yet. Um, too soon, I guess. Uh, so yeah, the Big Ten, Pac-12, canceling or postponing uh, football and all all fall sports um, with the hopes to do it in the spring. Uh, as of when we're recording this, the August thirteenth, uh, Thursday night, um, the SEC, ACC and Big 12 are all planning to move forward. Um, I think we're of mixed minds whether that's going to happen or not. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's been talk of, beginning to be talks of what is spring football look like? Is that even something that's feasible? Is it something that is just going to put too much uh, wear on the tires of these kids uh, playing a spring season and then coming back in the fall to, to do another fall season? Obviously, if that were to happen, 2021 would have to be in a bridge season. So, and like, there's still too many like ifs and what's and like, I, you know, I think at this I, point, a big, big 10 and pac 12 fans are wondering, are they going to be laughing at the sec, ACC and big 12 folks, or are they going to be jealous of them come, uh, come the fall? Yeah. And, and like you said, I think we're of different minds on that. Although I, I, I get where you guys are coming from. I, as of right now, believe SEC and Big 12 and maybe ACC are going to be having football. Um, but I totally get while you guys don't. One thing um, I would definitely say, it almost kind of mirrors the school situation in this country, like the public school situation in this country. Um, I would say at this current point in time, Everyone who doesn't want to be doing the thing is not doing the thing. And don't listen to any talk that anyone who's not doing the thing will be doing the thing anytime soon. Everyone who's checked out has checked out. They'll check back in when there's a vaccine or there is some substantial improvement in testing, etc. But that's the thing. And I think, you know, we're going to circle around to the, the Jeff Brom plan um but in a way i mean the jeff brown plan is a vehicle to talk about so many things uh, along this entire road that has led us to where we are right now but one of the things i'll say about that plan is it's almost in some ways the exception that proves the rule because it's such a kick-ass plan uh, put together in such a kick-ass way and yet so much of the universal reaction to it is that's a kick-ass plan but too little too late and that ain't gonna happen um just kind of goes to show everyone who's shut down like this is not a shutdown and open a month from now shut down and open two months from now like it will be a different world 
when this thing opens itself up. And to your point about like potential spring football, if there's a vaccine nearly on the horizon at that point, or there is some sort of, I mean, Sam, you were talking about this earlier today, like some ultra rapid test where the ability to test becomes so easy that these guys can just be testing daily, know the results immediately, and just always be attuned to exactly where the program is at all times. Yeah, in a world that is a changed world from right now, maybe. But like those changes haven't come along, and as of right now, things are shut down, and there ain't no timetable for it coming back. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no timetable. I think like a big a big point I want to get to here is one that I've been talking offline with you guys about quite a bit um, over over the past couple months, um, and that's the idea that like the decisions that are being made today, whether it's about school or you know work, I'm not going back to my office till till next year for sure. Um, college football, et cetera. It's people are mistaking these as decisions that are about not letting players getting get sick or or you know trying to trying to ensure that nobody's going to get sick while playing college football i think and people are rightly bringing up well what about kids being on campus what about intramural sports what about all these other things where people are you know presumably going to get sick the issue here is liability and the issue is that you cannot play football well maybe you could but like they're they're not going to play football with masks on you can't social distance on the field. Um, a big sticking point that came up in these conversations coming out of the Big Ten stuff is about is around contact tracing. Like it's like when you're putting a hundred players on and off of a field with a hundred players from another university um, whose protocols you can only you know um, you have to hope take, take on the faith, same, right? Yeah, exactly. Like you have, to, you have to hope that they're the same, that they're following all the all the same rules you you are, and that they didn't you know you know, um, bury a positive test for their star running back because he's asymptomatic. Right. Like, so like there, there's no way to follow the protocols or the guidelines from the CDC or for all the other safe things that people are supposed to do while you're playing football. And I think, I think you can follow a lot of those guidelines with practice, right? Like Michigan's, there's a lot of, uh, a bunch of, um, reports, I think, Nicole Auerbach and others were, you know, were speaking with, with Mel Tucker and the Michigan state staff about what they're doing right They're They're practicing in pods. The four players that are rooming together are practicing as a pod. Um, they're, they're limiting their contact with the rest of the team. Like they're like, you can operate as a team and train and, and meet and watch film. And again, follow all these guidelines. The moment you step on a football field in a live environment, you can no longer follow the guidelines. And with the, the, kind of questions that are coming up around follow-on effects from COVID, whether it's heart issues or other central nervous system issues, there's just too much uncertainty right now that I I think the presidents are looking at this. And I think all the other presidents of schools are going to be looking at this in the next, in the coming weeks. And they're saying, if something goes wrong here, we're going to get the shit suit out of us because these guys can't follow these protocols um, while they're actually playing the game. And, and, Yes, you can opt out, and we're going to support every you know everything about a player that wants to opt out. We're going to support that. We're going to give them a, you know another year of eligibility. You can do all that stuff, but if you're not, it's it's like it's like if the SEC said, you know what, we don't care about concussion protocols anymore. These guys all know that they're playing football. We're just we're going to stop doing all the safety stuff in the game around concussions. Well, guess what? That would open yourself up to liability around. CTE and other head injury lawsuits if players even though they were playing even though they know they were playing they know the risks if you're not 
doing something to help safeguard them, um, you're being negligent. And I'm, I'm not a lawyer. So like, I, I just like whether or not they would actually win is, is beyond the point, right? Like opening yourselves up to that sort of liability litigation is going to cost a ton of money, time, energy. The other thing is that treating this shit ain't free either. And I know that's a big reason why I'm not going to be in the office until next year is because my employer doesn't want to risk the healthcare bills. Right. So like, like I, and the reason I go down this track is because again, does canceling the season mean that no football players in the big 10 are going to get COVID? Of course it doesn't. Um, Does it mean there's, there's dramatically less risk for the university and for liability? Absolutely. And I think that's what this all is all about. I think the other universities are going to follow suit and it sucks a hundred percent. I think the biggest problem I have right now is I'm just, I'm mad that nobody's tried to work through a plan to figure out what they could do to put protocols in place. And I mean, the, 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 the presidents, coaches, others, just, they seem to have been spending the entire summer just hoping that this was going to go away and that the, there were going to be fewer cases and they could go forward doing what they wanted to do, you know, with the conference schedule. Right. But like, that's as far as they got, we're going to limit to a conference schedule players. You saw the players in the PAC 12, you saw the players in the big 10 stand up and say, we need to know what the deal with testing is. What's going to happen when somebody gets a positive, how frequently are we going to be tested? How fast are we going to be tested? And all those things are unknowns. And it's like, nobody bothered to think about the worst case scenario. And that is why we don't have college football. So, I agree with you on half of this and I disagree with you on the other half. Um, I The part I disagree with you on is it's not that I don't think you're right about the whole liability thing because I do. Like it's, it's true. But I believe like so much of the rest of this that it we're just so, so divided of a country. And I think all you have to do and, – and again, I've said this to you guys before like on text is look at the two teams who voted not to stop football in the Big Ten, Nebraska and Iowa, and then ask yourself how many Nebraskas and Iowas there are in the Big 12 and the SEC. And basically it's not Vanderbilt is the answer to that question. Um, and the ACC is a little bit different. The ACC is complicated because you've got FSU and Clemson in a conference mixed with Duke and UVA – Etc. Boston College, Syracuse. Boston College, Syracuse, Pitt, of course. Um, and but it it's not that the liability issue isn't real; it's that it is real. But the calculus is simply different in different parts of the country, regardless of the liability. Look at that photo of that high school in Georgia. There are people in the southern half of this country who will push those chips into the table and let it ride. And I am not trying to say this as, like, judgment. I'm just saying, like, that's the country that we live in. Like, like the whole it just means more thing, like, that's, you know. Yeah, no, that that's totally true. And I, I, think, I think I said this in, in a conversation we are having with the Winning Cures Everything guys. Like, the, everything that, that I just said about the liability stuff might get papered over in the SEC especially because of – the politics of the region, how much college football just simply matters there relative to other stuff, and the degree to which administrators and leaders and, you know, the people that run these schools have been able to 
basically take advantage of of players. I, I mean, like the, the the stuff that that they get away with around academics and other you know cheating scandals that have come out, and and the impact that that has had to players in those regions. Like you well, don't, well, you don't hear about that stuff the same way you hear about it when Ohio State has you know somebody taking underwater basket weaving. That becomes a big story. That's not a story at Florida or Alabama, <laughs> right? They're like, and, yeah, why didn't you give them an A? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so like they just have a history of of that sort of thing where they might be thinking, Hey, you know what? Yeah. It might be, there's liability here, but we've got, we've got more well, leverage. Well, the than, other thing too is, than is somebody than like the, someone in the big 10. Well, it's like the other thing too, is like, let's think from a legal case, right? It's funny. I wish we could get like Michael McCann in here to talk about this, but in any case, right. Medical malpractice case of any kind, right. Whether it's corporate or whatever, both sides walk into court. What does each side have on their team? A doctor who will argue that their way is the right way, and just, just look at the NFL and concussions, that, right? Yeah. And right, yeah. and that's exactly what's happening in the SEC right now. I mean, well, the SEC, Big Twelve, and ACC. The ACC went so far as to get a doctor who I I admire the stones to say it. It's true. It's so darkly true. But the ACC has this doctor from Duke who basically is like. Look, we all green lead, green lead, green lit, green light these guys to get the shit kicked out of them all day, every day in these games. They get like 50 kinds of injuries and we all shrug our shoulders. What's COVID on top of that pile? And it's kind of like, yeah, it's really morbid and we all really need to look in the mirror. But for the narrow purposes of the argument the ACC is trying to make, uh, you get like, you get the idea. I mean, basically he was saying like, well, look, like in this case, like we've we've learned to deal with a sport that regularly breaks guys' legs. So what's COVID? And it's like, yeah, you're not making me feel too good about myself right now. <laughs> you, know what, but. you know what's really interesting about that is like, so A, he's spot on. Um, but like what has transpired over the last six months, in large part due to the pandemic and the way it has stripped away um, – some of the the masking of inequalities whether it's in college sports whether it's in understanding the leverage these players truly have you know we've talked about kylan hill and mississippi state and and the social justice movement and getting the the flag in the state of mississippi changed which is just still somewhat inconceivable to me that the that the running back from mississippi state was was the um impetus to make that happen um what what happened with george floyd what you know, has has been a a pandemic that has dramatically impacted black and brown communities disproportionately has has put a lens on this stuff that that ACC doctor is spot on. But that comment is viewed through a different lens now than it was a year ago. Right. And right. I think a lot of them are being like, yeah, you're damn right. And we deserved better treatment with all that stuff, too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and And you look at what came out last week with most prominently Trevor Lawrence, the biggest name in college football right now, followed by Justin Fields and a number of other really high profile players basically advocating for a players union. Now they've, they've, they've since said it's more of a players association. Um, well, yeah, you, because you, there's not, you know what the, the NFL PA, the MLB PA, they're all called players <laughs> exactly, associations. Exactly, I mean, exactly. maybe they're not going to unionize like what uh, Northwestern was trying to do back in 2014, but you know, 
even just an organization, they're going to get, you know, it's, it's going to be an uphill battle. But I, I'm very interested to, to talk about that. But sorry, finish your point. Well, I was going to say, they, I mean, they stopped short of asking for revenue like the Pac-12 players did. They stopped short of um, of being considered employees like the Northwestern players did. Um, however, they essentially said, and I think this is spot on, like for this for this to work, and, and people keep bringing up this, this straw man argument of, well, the NFL, MLB, NBA, and H- NHL are playing. Why can't college football? Because they're not paid, you idiots. Yeah. In, in and professional well, sports, if, if there's they're, no... being, they're being paid very well, and like they're aware of the risks, right? And in hockey and basketball. And they and negotiated, yeah, it, it, it's, they it's negotiated, negotiated how to make it happen. Yeah. I mean, like, well, and that, yeah, it, it's all been yeah, negotiated. No. Um, you know, lawyers for both sides, like everyone's had a say. In college football, the players do not have a voice. Yes. Right. And yes. that's it's a it's a great point for a couple of different reasons. One is circling back to something that we talked about at, at the beginning, that this is a great vehicle to talk about this and to talk about just the total plan paralysis, right? And this is something that has affected not only football, not only sports, so many things. I mean, I work with school students um we all have daughters who are going into school things like that we all and if you're a parent you're very familiar with the whole feeling of like waiting all through the spring all through the summer into the summer being like yes so what's the plan going to be for this coming year what's the plan well we're waiting to hear from the governor the president the whoever yeah 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 but if he says this what's your plan and if he says this what's your plan what's your decision tree Map it out for us. Because, like, when someone makes a decision, then you need to have the plan ready to execute, right? And it's just been a giant cluster across the board, right? It's I, don't, just... I don't want to go too far down this trail, but this quote is super pertinent at this point. Are you, are you going but, Mike Tyson here? No, I'm going Betsy DeVos was asked what the, what the plan is if there's an outbreak at a school. And she said, well, you can't know the future. Yeah. Oh, it's like, oh my gosh. It's like, if if 100 kids get sick, what's the plan? If zero kids get sick, what's the plan? And that's the thing, right? You've seen so much paralysis. So let's let's ignore everything except, except sports and, right And now. not paralysis by analysis. Right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah no. right. Well, so there's been so much general paralysis, bureaucratic BS, and just fear of just putting on big boy pants and making decisions. And now let's like apply it to sports, right? Sports has had so much problem with this. And yet certain leagues of varying success, right? I mean, like, let's let's look at baseball. It's like to the point you guys are making, baseball's rollout absolutely sucked. And yet, on they limp, three wheels on the vehicle, but the vehicle is moving, right? And that's because they were able, after just beating around the bush and not getting anything done, at least able to put something together eventually. But they were only be able to do that because there is, to your point, a players association. And that there is a group who can negotiate. And then you have the NBA, who engaged with its players' body immediately. And they hammered it out, and everyone had their voice, and like they've got a bubble put together, and they made it work. And then you have college football, right? College sports, but college football is what we're focusing on here where you have this system that is a non-functioning system. It is a stupid non-working system that is kept afloat by massive amounts of money. And you have a situation where the players 
who are a crucial part of the negotiating process. And as, have as, not, and as we're finding out more and more, how big of a, a part college football is in running university athletic programs just across oh, the board. Like I oh, don't think I don't think people realized how much all of all of college sports, I mean, doesn't matter right. what, relies on that football money. And this is like a random anecdote, right? But it bears mentioning, given the total paralysis that college football because this is this is what we're talking about at the top, right? Jeff Brom puts in this he has this plan that he puts out that the bullet points, I mean we were joking on Twitter this thing lays bare exactly how big of a disparity there was, you know, of what was going on in Purdue's offense and our offense in the game last year, just based on this peek into the mind of Jeff Brom via this unbelievable plan that he's laid out, right? Check out the brain on Brom. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, but that, like, there was not a point three months ago where someone went to Jeff Brom, hey, Got any, got any thoughts here? We need to map out contingencies. We have to go to the public, let's say, a month from now. Let's say we have to go to the public on July 1st and say, here's our decision tree. Ten possibilities. We're going to be monitoring week by week. These are the ten different ways they're going to play out. But here's our plan. Any thoughts? And Jeff Brown would be like, <laughs> why, yes. Thank you for coming to me. But here's what I, what I was just talking about before. You know who else no one went to? The flippin' players. And eventually, the players were like, hey, are curious what we think? I mean, we were talking, there was a quote from TJ Green, right, that, that came out, a, a tweet from TJ Green at some point, who was like, yeah, it's nice to know that, like, random members of the media are getting clued in on this since uh, we don't have any idea what's going on and we're the ones who are actually playing the games. They're, they're finding out about it on Twitter. Like, right. like the rest of it's us crazy are. town. Right, it's so ridiculous. And the one anecdote that I wanted to throw out is the... The message, the not, I won't say manifesto, but the, the message that came out that Lawrence co-signed and Fields co-signed and everybody, a Washington State football player put that together in 25 minutes and it was awesome. He was really skilled at data analysis and putting points together and operating media and operating, you know, uh, like computer software and putting this out on paper and being able to get it out he just knocked it out in 25 minutes all right what are our points what do we want what are our issues okay cool they reached consensus really quickly they knocked something out and they put it out there and it's like this was the group you didn't clue in on the process for months and that's the that's the whole thing right it's like brahm's plan is excellent and it's way too late if this was the kind of thing that people were powwowing about you know, if, if well, except sometime... John, that, that's the, that's the thing. They weren't. I mean, like, oh yeah, you, they you, didn't do it. You, they weren't doing everyone. Well, everyone has well, come out and said like we were like we haven't been discussing this. Like no one was talking about spring uh, football back in May or June. Like when people were legitimately asking, like, are we like this? Doesn't make a lot of sense. Things aren't changing. We're not seeing. Uh, we're not. We're not seeing the numbers going down. We're not seeing development. Um, you know, we really need to start thinking about spring. You know, everyone's asking like the ADs and the presidents and everyone's saying, no, we're not even, we're not even discussing it. Why the hell not? Why weren't you discussing yeah, this? That, I mean, that's the biggest pro problem. I, I, I do think it's important to give a little credit where credit's due. And that is, and let's be clear, like the initial rollout of this did not go smoothly, but I think 
most coaches, most programs themselves realized quickly. And, and the Florida state example is a great one where they, you know, Mike Norvell came out and said something stupid about, Oh yeah, I had a, I had a zoom call with every one of my players and, and their best player was like, uh, no, you didn't <laughs> and called him <laughs> right. out. Then they, they sat down the, the players got that voice. I mean, this was at the beat that, at, you know, in the throes of, of the early stages of COVID. And then it, it morphed very quickly into the social justice movement after, after Memorial day, but very quickly players and coaches like, Within a program, players' voices, I think, were getting heard. And I'd be, I'd be curious to know more about that. But, like, you know, I've, I've said it a couple times, talked about Texas and the players there and the concerns that they brought um, to the university around the signs and symbols around campus. And that's, that's different from how they plan for COVID, but I think there are other teams where there's clear examples that they engage the players, they figured out, how is this going to work? What are you guys comfortable with? How do we make this happen? But nobody thought to talk across universities and across conferences. And to your point, Sam, yeah, they, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't put an ounce of creativity into it. They didn't put any, you know, scenario planning or worst case, anything they didn't like some, I forget who tweeted this. Somebody important tweeted this, but like all these university presidents and athletic directors and coaches, they wield a shit ton of political power. Like they couldn't have been influencing governors and and oh. states and other entities to oh. actually do something and take things seriously. Like, come on. Oh, that's and that's where I get a little bit mad when I see everyone heaping plaudits on someone, say like Gene Smith, and it's like, okay, on one hand, yes, it is a courageous thing to be backing your Big Ten president as the single most powerful football program in the conference, a potential national title contender, to be the athletic director of, at current, right, the most powerful athletic department in the conference, and be vocally backing your conference against the will of your head coach, your players, and every friggin' person in the state of Ohio. Well, not this person. Well, not you. Sure. But that <laughs> takes courage. Because ain't no one going to forget where Gene Smith stood on this within the Ohio State fan base. Like, they aren't going to forget. It takes courage. It really does. Yes. But where was this voice three months ago? Where was Gene Smith standing on the mountain with a bullhorn alongside Kevin Warren being like, here's the Big Ten's plan. We're putting a bubble in this place now. If you guys want to play football in the fall, here's where it's going to be. Because, Scud, you make a great point. A lot of the teams took matters into their own hands. But it's kind of sad that you had a bunch of teams independently arriving at this with no top-down mandate. And that could have come from the NCAA. It could have, could have come I, I, from the I, conference I need, presidents. I need to stop you there because the NCAA, and I, I, I mean, this is a whole other pod to get into, but I have been so unbelievably frustrated and just appalled at the utter inability of the NCAA to do jack shit here. Like, they have done well, not absolutely just, not just, nothing. Not just do nothing, but uh, Mar- didn't Mark Emmert basically say, like, yeah, I'm not going to do anything? Yeah, yeah like, it's, a, it's seriously, I mean, is the, the, ba- the band at least played on. These guys, they're just like, well, shit, the ship's sinking. Like, I guess we'll that's, just sit that's, here. It's out of my jurisdiction. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like... The NCAA is supposed to be an organizing body for college sports. Right. They needed to be in front of this. They needed to be like 
full on ahead of it and say, this is what we're doing. This is what college sports is doing. You know, leaving it up to conference by conference. Now you're getting into like more regionalism and more division like we've been talking about. But like you need like there needs to be um, a Gary Bettman, an Adam Silver, a Roger Goodell. Mark Emmert is not that. And it's I, how about, well, well, and to be to be to be fair, he doesn't wield the power either, though. Like um, someone I mean, should like there's need there yeah, needs so, to be someone, someone who should. Someone should. And I, I wonder if, you know, I mean, they came out pretty swift in the spring, right? Canceling tournaments and all that sort of stuff. Um, it, it's like, I don't know, like nothing you said is like, I agree with a hundred percent with everything you just said. I just, I like, I wonder if they were stymied and they should not have allowed this to stop them, but if they were stymied by the idea of football and well, we don't control the BCS and we don't like, like football is the unruly, you know, firstborn child of the NCAA that kind of just does whatever it wants. Um, and I wonder if in, in the face of that, they were like, well, we can't control this. So we're not going to bother to try. And that is 100% the wrong reaction. Um, I just, I wonder if I'm, I'm guess I'm just trying to you know, guess at the why that, that it, it potentially occurred. Cause it's, it's crazy that the NCAA didn't come out with a very strong perspective around. This is what we think needs to happen. Boom, 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 boom. And you guys can either get in line or we can have a conversation. And that would have at least prompted some of the discussions and figuring and thinking. And instead they just said, well, you, you guys figure it out and tell us what you think. Right. I mean, well, and it's like, there's a really good possibility, right? That if, and again, this is me saying this, like, I think the SEC, Big 12 are still going to be playing football. It's possible that in that situation, you end up with something along the lines of Major League Baseball, where it turns into a real cluster early on, guys are getting sick, wheels are falling off the wagon, everyone thinks it's going to carry, and instead they somehow pull the, you know, pull it out of the fire and are able to kind of continue muddling through the way the MLB has done. Or they cancel, like you guys think. And then they do the exact same thing the Big Twelve, Big Ten, and Pac Twelve are doing, which is look toward the spring. Well, can we please not make the exact same mistake twice? Like Jeff Brom's trying to help repeat the exact same problem. As I said off the top, I don't think things fire up for these teams that have for these leagues that have shut it down without developments. On the other hand, it is possible that twenty twenty one, you know. New Year's Day 2021, we are staring at reports that are something along the lines of these three companies have a vaccine ready to roll out. Clinical trials have been very successful. It's going to take three or four months to get this done, but this is where we are. There's hope here, right? And if that happens at that exact moment, I want the NCAA to be like, well, We've been waiting for that notice, and based on that, here's what our rollout's going to look like over the next couple of months. And if this goes wrong, we'll do this. And if this goes wrong, we'll do this. They've, in effect, created, at least for the Big Ten and Pac-12, another four months to kick this can on down the line. Are they going to just keep kicking the can, or are they actually going to do something this time so we all know what's going to happen? Because, again, it's like this whole... There could be spring football thing is this pie in the sky idea. 
just like it was a pie-in-the-sky idea, apparently, that the Big Ten was going to have a football season in the fall. And it's funny because you can almost see this knee-jerk reaction from Brom, who immediately was like, well, I want an idea. I want you you to tell me what it is. And he's probably thinking the NCAA is not going to tell me, so I'm just going to put this out there. It, right. It's a That's a really great point, John. Like Just like they should have been thinking about what's the worst-case scenario three months ago— Right now, they should be thinking about what's like what's the spectrum of outcomes that could happen because, you know, not not like this thing ain't going away. But perhaps we get a whole lot better at controlling it, like ninety percent of the other countries on Earth. Um, perhaps uh, a vaccine that's effective enough is developed. There's some interesting things that have come out around like um, the not not actual herd immunity, but the effective level of herd immunity that, that has kind of indicated there's some, there's, there's a, a growing body of evidence that we don't need, you know, a, a home run of a vaccine. We just need one that's good enough. So, um, I like that. They should absolutely be thinking that way, especially like given that the dollars that are on the table, the eyeballs that are, that are, that are, you know, invested in this, like the, the knee jerk reaction to which you're alluding of, of, well, it's probably not going to work out, so we might as well not think of it. Like, that's absolutely categorically a terrible thing to do. Like, they, they like, like, do your job, administrators, right? And think about the potential opportunities and, and figure out a plan, a series of plans, really. Speaking of knee-jerk reactions, can we talk about Nebraska for a little bit? Oh, God, I've been waiting, <laughs> been waiting for two days. So, Kevin Warren comes out, says the Big Ten is, is canceling. Pac-12 cancels like an hour or two later. Nebraska comes out and says, we want to, like, they're being the rogue child. They want to they want to play regardless of what the Big Ten has to say. Like, Not Nebraska. On, on Scott Frost Day, yeah. let's, you know, call a spade a spade. Like, Scott Frost came out and shot off his mouth. And then... Well, it all... I- I, I'll put one caveat on what you're saying. It all depends on your definition of Nebraska. If you're saying, not the University of Nebraska, yes, Scott Frost. Well, Scott Frost did this, and then all of his bosses came out and kind of like backed him up, like with slightly less inflammatory words. I mean, he he was basically saying like, this is this is BS, and we're gonna go find you know we. We wanted to play a Big Ten schedule, but that's not in the cards. We'll go find a different schedule to play, which, like, immediately there are, like, 17 things that would prevent that from actually happening. Um, my favorite has been all the jokes talking about how Nebraska is going to need to do, like, double headers and play every other day <laughs> um, in in uh, late August to, to get their games in before, you know, the Big 12 reverts to a conference-only season, which is just, which is just hysterical, um, not to mention the TV rights and – you know, the insanity of SEC teams, like, agreeing to the idea of traveling to Nebraska for games. It's just, it's crazy on a whole bunch of different fronts. Um, although, that being said, Andy Staples, um, I, I forget what outlet he's with now. Is he, is he with The Athletic now? Athletic, he's with The yeah, Athletic, he, yeah. he did a podcast uh, uh, yesterday in which they kind of figured out the way to get around the TV rights, which was effectively, like, play all road games and make a, make a, a, a deal ahead of time to split the to split the TV revenues um, with the the team that you're, you know, that you're playing at. So you're, you're not giving up, you know, Nebraska's not making any TV revenues. Uh, it's, it's, you know, Florida or whomever else that they're playing. Um, so anyways, I digress. Point being like, 
he was very, you know, crazy. His bosses came in and softened it a little bit. And then Kevin Warren came out and just <laughs> like, I can't even say he did anything aggressive. He just, he just very calmly and um, stoically poured ice cold water over all of them. And then they immediately capitulated. Yeah. I mean, he came out and said, yeah, Nebraska can play if they, if they're playing to leave the conference and Nebraska's like, that's like $50 million a year. We're walking away from <laughs> plus everything else that they've been, you know, mooching off the big tens ever since they joined. It's like, it's funny. Yeah. Frost was like, no, we, we, we misspoke. We really want to play in the big 10. And Kevin Warren was like, you really want to play in the big 10. Daddy. Say you really want to play in the Big Ten, Daddy. I really want to play in the Big Ten, Daddy. That's right. Uh, No, I like one of the things, like one of the things that to me should be incredibly clear about this. And I think, you know, we're Northwestern fans, Big Ten country, like we're all pretty familiar with this. But boy, like so many of the finances unearthed by this pandemic relative to football, um, you know, the light has been shined. The financial difference between the Big 12 and the Big 10, it's not even remotely close. And if you need bigger proof of that, Nebraska has done nothing but eat a you-know-what sandwich since they came into this conference, okay? That has been the tale of Nebraska in the Big 10. And they, and despite all of that, the moment they say something, Warren is like, yeah, you're going to take that back right now. You're going to tell us that you're going to do everything we want. You're going to tell us how much you love these like seven crap years you've had getting your clock cleaned as being currently the ninth best team in the Big Ten. We're going to need you to get in front of a camera and tell us how much you love that. Because otherwise, <laughs> you can go back to the Big 12. Meanwhile, the Big 12 is like, yeah, come on back. We could use you. The door is wide open. We remember nothing about your exit. Please come back. And with all of that, Nebraska's like, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we're staying. All of the money. We're staying with all of the money. And that's, you know, that's where, but it's crazy. I mean, that's the Big 12 and the Big 10 are both power five schools, but they are not alike in many ways beyond that. The money is so much heavier in the big 10 it's just not even close yeah i mean the only thing that compares is the sec and and the sec ain't inviting nebraska um nope to join their conference and 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 i mean they i don't know when the when's the big 10 tv rights up is it two years or one year i forget what it is but i mean they they after the whole conference realignment insanity of you know the early 20 teens like those those contracts are all written to be ironclad so that you you cannot yeah. get out of the forfeiture of your tv rights etc and it's it, it's basically made moving conferences i mean effectively impossible unless there was like a mutually agreed upon decision you know to like allow ruckers to go back to the big east i'm sure the big 10 would allow them to get out of the contract right <laughs> allow allow them <laughs> ruckers will allow you to leave ruckers like <laughs> So, I mean, like, it's just, it's, yeah, it's, it's ludicrous that it happened. I mean, I guess like in one sense, I am sure this has been very 
frustrating. I mean, especially everything we just we railed against the the administrators of the of the conference and of college football for not, you know, having a plan, communicating effectively, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That is still going now after the decisions that have been made. So I'm sure the coaches are pissed. They're all pissed. I mean, Ryan Day was oh yeah, Ryan Day was was very obviously pissed on a conference call the other day, and and he did not go as far as Scott Frost. People are people are creating this fake argument where it's like, oh, Ohio State can get away with saying it where Nebraska can't. Like he said, we would. He said effectively, like we would we would love to play you know some games if possible, but like he he did not indicate that they were gonna you know just spit in the big Ten's face and go do something off on their own. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's one, it's one thing to say, this sucks. We wish we could do something differently. I would love to try to do something differently. That's different than saying we're going to, we're, we're, we're going on our own. We're going road. So I mean, which is basically what Nebraska. Yeah, so like on, on, on one hand, you can look at Scott Frost and you can kind of say, ah, this is kind of like the coach that, feels like he got screwed by the ref in the last last 30 seconds of the game and caused him to lose it. And, you know, a minute and a half later, there's a microphone in his face and they're asking him how he feels about it. And he rails up the refs and gets, you know, fried with a fine and then comes back later and has to apologize. Right. Like it has that kind of feeling to it. Um, but it's really extra funny that it's Nebraska and Scott Frost. Cause um, they're just like, it's just like, to your point, John, they just they well, just their foot is in the bucket constantly. Let's well let's not let's let's not untether Nebraska from Iowa here. Um because in Iowa's case, Iowa went right along with Nebraska and this is on the heels of um uh, everything else that's happened with Iowa <laughs> yeah. um recently. But I mean I think one of the points there is that and this is what I was saying before about Nebraska, right? I mean Ninety-nine percent of the state of Nebraska is livid right now that they aren't playing football. I mean, everyone is livid. There's, there's not football. I mean, sure, but I mean, in those cases, I mean, it's Ohio State. Those fans would have voted to play, and and I get a lot of fans where I do think, and this is kind of what I was saying before. It's a little different in the Big Ten, where and this is the thing about like the bellwether, right? Because there are plenty of teams like Rutgers is in a COVID hot zone and is a horribly run school in general that like it didn't take any, like you knew Rutgers was going to have the biggest outbreak. You just did. I mean, and not just because it's in New Jersey, just because Rutgers tends to make every mistake that you can make. Um, And they, but with that said, like they, if the big 10 would have played like Rutgers would have gone along with that. Right. But the, I think You've got a school like Rutgers, right, where they're certainly happy to get out, right? I mean, they're dealing with all the problems. There's the geography of that location, et cetera. You've got schools like North Northwestern, obviously, you know, we're all familiar with this. Our priorities are just in a different place than even a lot of the rest of the conference, right? I mean, it's school first, and that's the way that it is. And that seems like a no-brainer to say, but it, it ain't exactly that way in some of the other schools in the Big Ten. So then you've got, let's say... Illinois, Purdue, Indiana. Will basketball season be canceled? That's the biggest thing on their mind, right? So there are these factions within the Big Ten where you can easily see, like, there's enough schools, right, that don't have a huge dog in this fight to the degree that every school in the SEC does, right? Um, That you could kind of see this kind of coalition forming 
And that's kind of what I was thinking, you know, and, and one of the big things that I'm still thinking relative to looking at the SEC and the Big 12 is just like the, for whatever reason, those two schools. Because I don't think it's an accident that Iowa and Nebraska both are geographically located where they are um, and are firmly in the middle of Big 12 country. I think that that's like a mentality that pervades those schools and pervades the entire state. And I think that it's a geographical thing. And that's where, you know, I can easily see that and be like, well, the way Nebraska feels, the way Iowa feels, Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma, right? Certainly all of Texas. Like, I just, I just see that they feel the same way. So I don't know. Like, I know, Scuzz, you made the point previously that these calculuses, this calculus changes every time a major conference drops out. And you're right. It does. Um, because it's a very different world now that the Big Ten and Pac-12 are out of it. But um, I do think that there's, in certain states and at certain institutions, the will of the populace is able to exert a little bit more influence. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I, and and I don't, like, let me be clear. I don't want the college football season to be shut down. Um, no, no, none of us yeah, do. I, at all. I, I think, you know, I personally believe it's it's the right decision, giving it, given – the, the risk and everything that's going on. I, th- I think if there were, if they were paying these players, if there was a players association, if, if, if they had had really a, a, a true opportunity to have their say and to ensure that they felt good about their safety versus, you know, thousands of players make their own, making their own individual personal decisions um, foisted upon them by, you know, leadership figures who control their scholarships and their, and their, you know, proverbial future in their hands um like i like i'd feel a lot better about it right um but given all that you know and again i i, I don't want this to happen i would love for this spring idea to have legs i would love for it to have legs i'd love for guys like justin fields to get an opportunity to showcase what they can do to have the chance to win a national championship our, our buddy chris brought up the point like think about joe burrow going into last year joe burrow was like not on anybody's radar and he ended up being the number one pick in the NFL draft. And like, there are stories like that that aren't going to happen this year. And that's, that's a bummer. It's a giant effing bummer. Um, so I don't want anybody to come out of this thinking like, you know, Oh, Scuzz is, you know, happy that the, I mean, it's, it's, it's ludicrous. First of all, that anybody who spends time obsessing about this sport, sports writers, whatever us bloggers, yada, yada, yada would be happy that the season is canceled. That's just, ridiculous so um i i i i cannot tell you how much i just love seeing like all these people who are like oh the the media wants this done like all all these you know sports writers want to cancel the season they're losing their livelihood too it's crazy i mean this is their job to they, cover college sports i th- so here's another area where i slightly differ with you guys on the semantics of this Consciously, I believe that that's true, but I do believe that there are sports writers who get caught up in the notion, especially, and I'm not going to name any names, but certain guys who are currently paid to write opinion pieces on an almost daily basis get caught up in the theatrics of it all and get caught of making an argument, you know, like I'm right, I'm staking myself to a certain thing and once I've staked myself to a certain thing, me being right supersedes everything else. And that's the thing that annoys me. Because, right, like, obviously, there's no one who truly, like, wants it to be canceled. But I think some of these guys, especially the more blowhardy of them, back themselves into corners and then 
you know, and uh, again, this is something that is certainly not new to sports and especially sports punditry. And I think those, I think you've, in that case, you've got some bad apples who are kind of spoiling the well here. Yeah, I agree with you guys. Like, no one wants it to be canceled. And to your point, like, right, what are some of these guys going to write about if there's no college football? But I think in the moment, some of these guys get caught up in some of this stuff and are like, this is my thing. I've got to put another opinion piece up tomorrow on it, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know. I think there's, there's, there's calling it like you see it. And that's a little different from wishing it for it to happen. I, 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 I think your, your, your statement about like getting caught up in the theatrics is accurate, but like these guys are not, or, or, or girls, like they're not actually wishing for something terrible to happen. No, no, no. Oh, no. They're not wishing for anything terrible to happen. What I mean is it becomes something where it's like someone stakes a claim. College football is going to get canceled. And once they stake that claim, everything they write after that point will support that claim regardless of whatever the facts are at any particular point in time, right? It's like, this is my take. I'm saying, like, you know, sure. it's like... Sure, 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 yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You had, you I, I, whole, I hear you now, yeah. You had this whole thing... Well, you had this whole thing happening last week, right? Where you had a cavalcade of all of college footballs getting canceled. The minute reports came out that the Big Ten was being canceled, because you'd had a bunch of reporters who'd been staking themselves to that position. So the minute the Big Ten... Uh, like, the minute the Big Ten canceled, there was this rush of, here it comes, the Power Five is all going to cancel stories. And then, you know, I was reading something on ESPN, like, the day after, where it was like, you know, a lot of reports ended up being erroneous that this was going to... It's like, yeah, where'd those reports come from? It's like, some of that was in-house, ESPN. Yeah, certainly had a lot of people who couldn't wait to declare everything dead. And again, that's not a statement on whether it everyone should cancel or should not cancel. Yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah. saying, right. It's I, like punditry, punditry is punditry. And it there, there's up, punditry. You know. And then there are clearly people who have insider information. Like Teddy Greenstein alluded to this. Like he, like, like he was, I think he was responding to Danny Cannell or something like on this similar topic. He was basically like, maybe we're not rooting for it or like erroneously, you know, calling this in advance despite facts on the ground maybe we're actually talking doing our jobs and talking to presidents and athletic directors and it's becoming more and more apparent to us that even though those public statements aren't out there yet that 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 it's that it's happening and i would be i'll be honest i will be stunned if there aren't reporters in the big 12 and the acc and the sec who have similar quotes from presidents or you know high up administrators at those schools whether whether it actually comes to be we'll see right well, based on previous discussions we've already had on this pod, you kind of feel bad for all those reporters because a lot of them do have a lot of them are plugged into various sources at the presidential and athletic director level, and those guys don't know what <laughs> yeah, the yeah. hell they're that's, doing. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's also you know, I mean, Bob Bowlesby was like, we're, with the Big Twelve, he's basically like, right. There's nothing, there's nothing that we've seen to date that would. Uh, tell us we need to cancel now. I mean, it was it was all like heavily, heavy, heavily caveated, right? So that you can come back in in a couple of weeks if they need to change their mind. I was there was one random bit of comedy I had that was in I I don't know it could have been an ESPN source story it could have been a sports illustration I think it was an ESPN story that was a story that 
in the run-up to the Big Ten canceling, um, there was that infamous now uh, Sunday night conference call with all the Power Five conferences, where to this day, no one knows exactly what went down in that conference call. But ESPN had this story in the wake of this, and they got a couple, you know, they had a couple quotes, and one was specifically from the West Virginia athletic director, um, and it was something to the respect of, you know, again, I don't remember the exact language of the quote, you can look it up, but it was something along the lines of, like, we're not exactly sure what our plan is right now, but obviously, like, we're going to be, like, waiting and, like, making, you know, the decision or something um, not making a decision right away. We're going to wait. We're trying to gather all the facts, something like that. And then something from Jack Swarbrick, who also went on the record, AD of Notre Dame, who basically said something along the same lines. And the same piece included a quote that was just attributed to a Power 5 athletic director. And all it said was, it doesn't look good. Set up power, and I'm like, how do you have two guys going on the record with paragraph long hyper specific quotes, and then you've got Deep Throat in the parking garage being like, it doesn't look good. Couldn't burn that source, huh? Couldn't tell us even what conference he was from. I was like, this is where we are. So goofy. Oh, yeah. Shit. So anyway, I'm glad we're fine. Yeah, I'm glad we're finding things to laugh about because it ain't. As a lot of you have surmised, right, we're not going to be, you know, we can't be rolling out our our previews right now. You know, I guess we'll be coming up with a, a schedule going forward, finding things it, to it, do. And, so, if, and if y'all did so listen to just, our previews, like, we had a hell of a lot of fun with the likes of Nebraska. Uh, right. And, and let, let me ask. I mean, we had three three more to go, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Illinois. Wisconsin, defense, how would they have been? Oh, God, terrifying. Um, it's... They have a, a case, certainly, to be the best defense in the conference. Um, that's that's what they were going to be looking at. I mean, Wisconsin is a is a team that was was going to be in play for sure. Um, probably the favorite to win the West. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, I, again, that's that's the short of it. Is they they brought back a lot, um, and they were going to be terrifying on defense. Wisconsin offense not great, but certainly decent. I mean, like they, I mean, they would have, you know leaned leaned on that d certainly and you know done their wisconsin rushing thing and uh you know maybe you know jack cone had a decent year in 2019 you know i don't think there's any reason to, to expect that he would have you know taken a big leap this year but uh he would have been fine right like like a like a nate stanley type deal where he he doesn't regress but he doesn't dramatically improve and that would have been that would have been more than enough for them to win the west we we were we were trying not to step on it all previous season, but John, please tell me about the Minnesota defense in five seconds or less. I mean, it's just this, it's, they benefited from the largest golden horseshoe that you will ever see. Um, it was, they caught a bunch of teams at perfect moments in the season. They had a bunch of guys who predate the current coaching administration at Minnesota who were all upperclassmen, most of them seniors, who played really well and played at the, the level that they had been playing at. Um, Antoine Winfield Jr. really maxed out his potential on the way to the NFL. And the whole thing we said last year was they haven't recruited any guys to replace these guys. And you know what? They haven't. Every guy who made any kind of notable contribution on this lauded 
uh, Minnesota defense last year is gone. Literally every single guy. There is no one good who they've recruited to replace any of these guys. And they weren't going to get the same kind of luck they had defensively two years in a row. So, I, again, I it's a it's a huge loss because this defense was going to fall off a cliff. Well, that that uh, defense was year. so amplified last year by the offense, which was insanely efficient and explosive and put a lot of teams on the back foot really early. I mean, like I think they got the the benefit of being able to defend one dimensional offenses who were trying to play catch up um, a lot of the season and on offense, you know, you're losing Tyler Johnson, you're losing Rashad Bateman who opted out. Um, Maybe most importantly, you know, I screamed last year about how Tanner Morgan, they couldn't possibly be like a, a Dwayne Haskins clone. And then he was, kind of a Dwayne Haskins clone last year um, except for the touchdowns like his, his efficiency and his yards per attempt it's, it's it's insane the numbers he put up but how much of that was really him and how much of it was Kirk Chiroka who left to go to Penn State and I just like there were a lot of signs that that offense was going to revert back to a really 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 heavy run offense without a lot of explosiveness and a heady quarterback that you know would have made them fine against defenses that you know, weren't great against the run, but anybody who could shut down the run was going to be able to put a lot of pressure on that, on that offense. And it was going to be a giant question mark, how they would respond. And yeah, I, and again, I, we should, we should pause a note too, that Minnesota vastly outperformed our expectations way, last way, year overall. Outperformed. And, 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 and if you listen to the previews, we own all of that. And I don't want this to seem like sour grapes or anything. I think Minnesota, it, you know, it's respect. They've got a great quarterback. They've got some real pieces on offense. They don't have it on defense. Um, they're not going to be. They're going to be better than Nebraska, for example. Like they would have been. It's just their their offense. They're they're not tough in the way that people probably think they are based on last season. That's just not this team. And Illinois was going to be hot guard. <laughs> oh, what are you what are you talking about? Illinois. That's a Sam. That's a bowl team. Uh, you take that. You take that right back. Um, no, 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 thanks. I, I'll stand. I'll stand by that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's so funny. Like we were talking about, you know, originally with the rollout previews, the whole thing was it's it's it seems like beating a dead horse because I was going to be following up the original Minnesota preview with the Illinois preview and having to talk about two teams that were unbelievably lucky on defense, and it was just in two different ways. Um, Illinois defense. Like, you all got to see it. Like, that defense sucked. It was, we, like, ran over the top of them with a safety. You saw that game. Like, with a safety playing running back and a quarterback just calling QB sneak, Madden QB sneak on every play, we mowed that team down. That was that defense. What they were was second in the nation in fumble recovery percentage. And basically, if you did the math, I mean, I don't have it in front of me, but, like, they recovered something like five or six fumbles above expected yeah. average based on the amount that they forced, which were not that big of a deal, uh, which were not that far outside of average. They just recovered an ungodly amount outside of the statistical norm. And if you look at the stats, it's not just they were like second in the country. It was like they were – again, it worked out to like four or five fumbles. Just know – Wisconsin fumbled twice in their game. And if they recover either of those fumbles, Illinois loses that game. And that was Illinois' entire season. So talking about a luck statistic, like that was that was it. I mean, Illinois was a team that went 
that won six games on luck should have won four and just been an afterthought in the season altogether and got curb stomped by us. Yeah, That's what you need the, to know the about The worst Northwestern team in a decade absolutely pummeled right. the best Illinois team in a decade. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Well, I... We needed to. I need. I needed to get that. I uh, thank you for indulging me in in quick rapid fire previews that weren't aren't going to happen. Um, yeah. I mean, I I don't know where else we can really go tonight. Um, we're not going anywhere. We will be back. Obviously, maybe not as frequently as every week, but uh, you know, we will be. We'll we'll be talking. I mean, th- there's stuff to talk about. I mean, the uh, NHL first round. Well quarterfinals i guess not necessarily the first round who knows what their playoffs are they're underway uh so that we can talk a little hockey um there's the nfl that seems to be going full speed ahead you know we'll see what happens there you, uh, you guys you guys want to talk I, new zealand super rugby i'm absolutely. i'm i'm i'm, I'm, I'm ready i'm, I'm, I'm ready and, and- Hey, if and really the only way this could be more depressing, are there any more major Big Ten basketball players who are going to be coming back? Desunu's coming back. Garza's coming back. It's like this is great. Teams are gonna every team but Northwestern is going to be like, yeah, we just found out that a couple NBA guys still have eligibility, so we'll be bringing them back. It's uh, yeah, we'll we'll pivot to hoops eventually. We'll uh, take our time and then eventually work our way there. Uh, but yeah, I the one other thing I did want to say too is is and this is part of the reason that this whole flipping plan needs to come together. If there is this hypothetical spring thing, turn it from a hypothetical thing into a real thing. Because if we if we allow ourselves to dream, and I put a tweet about this up earlier this week, a spring football season of any kind would be so flipping sweet. <laughs> the softball and baseball fields are right there. And that there are all kinds of potential major doubleheader things going on right now. And, you know, the the example I threw out is, right, we have some big football game going on right now. And we get word, you know, midway through the second half that Danielle Williams has got a no-hitter going or something like that. And we're all like, oh, let's finish this up so we can run over there. And you get this football crowd running around the corner to the softball field to see what's going on in the softball game. I mean, that's sweet. And it is a realistic scenario. In, in spring football, and that would just be really cool to see. So, you know, here's hoping on that. Well, and there might be some impetus to, like, really figure out what the plan could be and, and, to, and, to, and to find a way to make it work. And there's, you know, and we mentioned the Brome plan. There's other interesting things being tossed around. Like, but the spring football would solve not all the problems. It would solve one major, 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 major issue, though, that, NCAA is going to have going into 2020 and that is what the hell to do about eligibility um or going into 2021 I should say what to, what to do about eligibility because they're going to otherwise they're, they're going to end up with like a glut of players with eligibility or they're going to just totally screw over a bunch of guys and I guess now that I say that out loud I realize that that's what they you know would probably default to because it's what they've been doing for hundreds of years so um but I guess like I it does it does feel like there's whether or not the willpower is there to get it done, it, there's there's certainly the incentive and the motivation to try to figure out something. And if you know if Ryan Day and Ohio State are coming out and saying, "Hey, this is this is what would work for us and still allow some of our big time talent to play and then be draft ready and and be you know reasonably safe and well cared for in the fall," like 
that's that's a big deal. I mean, the fact that they're saying something like that is is pretty compelling. So we'll keep an eye on all that. We'll be back um, sometime in the near future uh, to talk more uh, as news and situations develop. So um, let's go ahead and le- leave it there for tonight. Uh, head to our website, westlotpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pirates, And you can always email the show, westlotpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. Look for us in the west side of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John LeComb and Eric Skousby, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. 